Historically, black women in sports faced double discrimination due to their gender and race. A number of African female athletes have emerged as trailblazers in their particular sports over the years. The struggles and hard-won glory of pioneers such as Alice Coachman, Serena Williams is just an example. Sportswomen like these paved the way for generations and inspired them to join the sporting industry. Today on the podcast we have Anika Leslie Walker. She has been an academic for over 10 years and talks about sports in the community. She's extremely passionate about ethnic minorities and their participation in sport and she's a Nottingham United fan. Welcome to Anshism Anika. How are you doing? Hi Ansh, I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about speaking with you today. Uh Anika, tell us about yourself, you know, your experience and how did you end up in the sports industry? Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, great. Um so yeah, as you mentioned, I'm originally from Nottingham. Um, I now live in the northwest, but I'm a Nottingham Forest football fan. Um I guess um just to kind of introduce what I do, I'm currently a lecturer in community sports development. Um so I have a keen interest in sport, physical activity and exercise. Um just going back to when I was young, I always had a very keen interest in sport. Um I had older siblings and you know we just used to play out a lot and I found a love really for for most sports. Um done quite a few team sports so I played a lot of football growing up um netball cross country and I just felt sport was a way for me to kind of interact with others um and also because I competed at um some kind of regional levels and national in athletics um when I was younger it it was just great to kind of have success out of the classroom as well you talked about you know as a child looking uh looking up to your elder siblings that's how i got into sports as well uh, but specifically do you feel women in sports face unique challenges and especially people of color black women do you think there were exceptional challenges that you faced yeah it's a very big question and um to answer it as a whole um i would say yes i think there's various intersectionalities that you've just referred to there so Yes, I am a black woman. Um you know, yes I am a woman, sorry, and yes I am black. Yes, I am British. Um my ancestors come from Jamaica, so in the Caribbean. So there's lots of different kind of cultural aspects with that as well. Um there are barriers. I must say that you know, we are in the 21st century now, so we have to be optimistic and there has been many changes um from when for example my mum was young, you know, there's is access to different sports and there's that kind of um awareness and visibility of black women within both the elite space and the grassroots space which is amazing um but what i would say is that there are still um various barriers whether that's you know just playing in the local team um or whether that's in kind of governance and boardrooms or as a coach i'm actually a level 2 football coach as well so when i was in my you know when i used to coach many years ago there was also kind of disparities and i would say a lack of support at times from some of the coaches that i worked with do you feel it's like because i have had this questions and do you feel it's disheartening when 
someone asks you the question because i know you probably recognize yourself as a british black woman how do you respond to questions like where are you really from yeah it's a it's a very interesting question um as you just said i you know i'm very proud of where i'm from i was born here um they do class me as black british caribbean if i have to fill in census documents or anything like that but you know my my true roots um my parents were born in england but my grandparents were born in jamaica so you know in terms of heritage then i also have to really associate myself with jamaica as well and it's a beautiful country if you've not been um anybody that's listening to this please do go and see jamaica it's absolutely beautiful um but where you, that question of where are you from it's it's quite an interesting one actually Ange, because you know um if if i if i go to an event and they ask me where i'm from whether it's in the uk or across europe um usually i would say manchester because it's a big city people have heard from it um or i might say nottingham um but i always do actually get that but actually where are you from and I do often think, you know, if I was a a white woman, that secondary question, you know, if I was a white British woman, that secondary question probably wouldn't get asked. They'll just have that assumption. Um now, I guess there's pros and cons of that Anch, because I'm very proud of, you know, my heritage and my ancestors and I always enjoy saying Jamaica, but the other side of that is, you know, I am black British. I was born here, so sometimes I do feel that there's um to somewhat a lack of understanding um and also it can be seen quite negatively at times as well definitely and you can you know when you were saying i was actually nodding because i have had that and there shouldn't be a follow up question and you said there needs to be changing and a white woman wouldn't have been asked that or a white person wouldn't have been asked that it's ignorant it's kind of a microaggression it's kind of a subtle way of racism i feel moving on talking about sports you know recent figures from a sport england report show that only 5.2% of black children in england play cricket like it's a specific sport a sport of my interest so i picked cricket <laughs> and in 2001 uh, a woman called rainford brent yeah. was the first woman to represent england in 2001 Do you feel in every kind of sports cricket might be a bit less po- uh, popular in England but do you feel in even football there are less number of black women and black role models that you know young kids can look up to Yeah um interesting question and just to go back to the cricket aspect um really good yeah in terms of thinking about you know the Rainford Brent and black women and when we look at west indies and uh how they usually do very well in cricket and there has been some changes lately but interestingly yeah. i used to go to um trent bridge with my granddad he used to be a very big cricket fan and you know that was kind of a thing that some, him and some of his friends used to do as you know just that kind of getting together and um have that connection back with their communities um when there was big test matches but i never had I never followed that through and never really had any interest in cricket. Now, I think back then that may have been due to the lack of teams, women's teams. Um my brother played played a bit of cricket, but it wasn't something that was seen for me to do. Um 
so just to answer your question just going back to that you've mentioned the 5.2% um, of black children in England play cricket cricket historically has um, a lot of cultural um, inferences to the West Indies and if you go to some um, communities where there is a large West Indian community cricket is can be at the core of that community um, if we look at other sports, obviously, my, you know, now my, my main sport, I would say, is football in terms of playing, but coaching and also around the governance of the game. And it does differ. We can't just look at women. Um, obviously, we know there's a, re- a very good representation of black um, boys or black men within the within the football game. But that doesn't it's not similar for black women or black girls, however you want to frame that, depending on the age group. Now, there was a recent friendly which was shown on TV and uh, there was quite a lot of information in the media about the term that they used was that the England women's team, and this isn't; these are not my words, it was the media's words, um, was a whitewash, um, referring to there not being any representation from any, any other background apart from white British. Um, and that word, I'm trying not to use the word, well, black, Asian and minority ethnic, because, again, I was going to mention earlier that the usage of that terminology of BAME is also questionable. And uh, just from, I know I'm, I'm, di- I'm digressing a bit, but just, no. yeah, just in terms of um, understanding the different communities, we can't just put them all under one umbrella and think that they're all the same. But just going back to your your question regarding the, the lack of representation the lack of participation sorry of black children um it is a problem um that there does need to be changed a lot of people have these assumptions that it's down to culture and you know for example uh they always say well it's been kind of phrased you might have seen the film um bend it like Beckham, the Asian girls don't want to play football. Yes, they do want to play football. You know, I've coached Asian girls. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of stigma, a lot of stereotypes that we do need to challenge. Um, you, you referred to microaggressions earlier, uh, racism. You know, we've all been, in, well, unfortunately, I, I've been involved in racism in sport and I'm sure that many other, have, other people have as well. I I definitely feel that there is a lack of representation and role models. Uh, Do you think that we need more pathways, you know, creating some opportunities? Because if we don't address, if we don't address changes, we would not see them, Uh, especially on grassroots level that, like you mentioned, your grandfather was a big cricket fan and not having those teams to join in. Uh, do you think that that investment in grassroots level would make a difference? Yeah, I think the investment at the grassroots level is is very important. And there's the, the problem is, I think, you know, there's been some really good work done by academics um, such as Hilton, um, Campbell, who have looked at race and, and participation in sport. Um, and they've looked at kind of equality codes and, you know, written letters um, to the government. And there's some great organisations um, such as the Fair Network, Sporting Equals, Kick It Out, um, which are all kind of trying to support equality um, and also eradicate racism in sport. Now, in terms of the, the pathways and the strategies that you've referred to, I think that 
a lot of national governing bodies, so Sport England, um, well, Sport England, and then if we look at like the Football Association, they have included in their strategy to try and ensure that, you know, they're addressing these these gaps and the problems where there is a lack of participation. Um, from my point of view, there's there's been a lot of investment, there's been a lot of talking, there's been a lot of roundtables, workshops and so forth. Um, but I just feel that we need more action now. Um, there's, there's, that investment is there, but that accountability is really key. Now, it has been very good to see uh, different national governing bodies, uh, such as the Football Association, trying to ensure that they have specific KPIs where they can measure, um, one, the investment, and two, the, the in, hopefully the increase in participation. Um, of black women and black girls. So I think that is definitely a step forward. But on the other side of that is how we ensure sustainability. So it's great, you know, having all of these initiatives, projects and programmes. But moving forward, how can we ensure they are sustainable for me is the, the most important aspect. Let's talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, what does it mean to you? And do you feel that the black sportswomen have taken the lead in fighting and amplifying what it is to face racial inequality and social injustice. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think, you know, it was very disturbing from my point of view and I did struggle with it a little bit actually when um, the death of George Floyd did happen. And um, I think the Black Lives Matter movement has been very encouraging. Um, but like I say, you know, what happened and for that to be, it was, yeah, I, I guess obviously the, the visibility, the awareness of what happened and people being, having to have that face front of seeing that racial, you know, discrimination and, and different things does, we all, we already knew it existed. Um, we all were aware of that. However, it being on such a platform and the world actually coming together to, to challenge uh, what what happened for me was was really important because um, as a black woman, you know, I've been in scenarios where I do feel I've been discriminated against, but in the past I wouldn't um, I wouldn't have potentially kind of challenged that. But you know, kind of as I've had different experiences, I've I found an appropriate way to challenge that. So. Yeah, I just, I just guess anybody, any other black woman who may feel that they've been in situations where they can't challenge, um, I really think, you know, take the, the correct steps to ensure that you are not being discriminated is really important. So just going back to your question, sorry, Anch, um, yeah, with the, with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, it's given an opportunity for people to be aware of discrimination first front. Um, I've been really privileged actually to be able to have the opportunity to work with the FAIR Network um, and the University of Bolton in terms of allowing students to create a manifesto and kind of reflect on their thoughts of the Black Lives Matters movement and that was a really interesting um, project that I managed to work with some students on. Now. The problem that I see at times with the Black Lives Matter movement is some organisations, whether it's corporates, um, mainly corporate organisations, it seems at the time 
at some times anyway hopefully they're all they've all got the the right reasons for trying to support the black lives matters movement but at times it seems like the word you know that tokenism that tokenistic kind of viewpoint so do they actually making money out of yeah absolutely um so do they actually you know their ethos and their ethics do they have empathy with the situation or is it just a corporate sense um now i did see a lot of elite athletes um kind of be activists and show their support um around the george floyd um incident and the black lives matter movement i did feel a bit uncomfortable at times because i think if i was an elite athlete um you feel like you have the responsibility to do that however it was quite a it was a challenging time for me as a black woman it was a challenging time like it was great because i had so many friends um you know from different backgrounds from you know black white chinese asian it doesn't matter what background but kind of reaching out to me and just asking me how i felt and what were my views and i didn't feel pressured at all but i think some people potentially may have disagreed with some of my views and my perceptions and those elite athletes had that responsibility um which for some of them it, it was great to kind of view them and allow them to put their their points forward but i think we can't always just expect um from some of these elite athletes in in such situations in the women's game do you feel that black women are underrepresented in sports mm-hmm. and men's racism has been highlighted but women racism is not even talked about in football especially in england but there's so many so less such less televised games it's not spoken on media how how does it come to light and how would we know what's happening in the game i would definitely say um there's definitely a lack of representation um of black women in the sport industry as a whole um yes we do have some athletes so who have who have been very successful in their careers but thinking about football uh we spoke about the england women's national squad and the lack of uh diversity obviously in the past they have had some very good players um such as Rachel Yankee Alex uh Alex Scott Aniola Luko Anita Sante there's been lots of uh, very good um women players but there is racism does exist uh that there were quite a few high profile cases um in terms of Mark Sampson and Aniola Luko and Mark Sampson the was the England women's uh national uh coach and Annie Luka was a player and uh it was proved that you know Mike Sampson Mark Sampson sorry was racist towards uh the towards Aniola which was a, a huge problem also within the the Premier League the women's Premier League uh the women's Super League there has been instances of racism um during fixtures which have been recorded and there's been some really good news stories uh throughout the BBC and the Guardian which have really spoken about um the lack of the if we think about it and I guess you know grassroots football that you you see particularly within London where there's a saturation of uh, well there's not a saturation so where there's a high number of black african black caribbean there's you know asian women um play football so that's a good kind of case study the problem is they get to a level which might be a, you know they they may be playing for a good club but that national that next level just doesn't happen 
because there's various barriers and I, I know you spoke, like kind of referred to barriers earlier but um, it just seems that there's a lack of representation a lot of people say you've got to see it to believe it so if I don't see um, you know a black coach or if I don't see um, a black player in the elite squad I potentially don't believe that I can be there the more often that you see somebody like you the more that you can believe that you will actually um, be able to achieve that position so just going back so yeah I've been to watch Man City women who are in the Women's Super League who are a very good team uh, you've also got Man United as well who've got a women's team um, since the last few years um, now again when, when I go there there is a lack of representation there are some very good black women who are journalists and who work in the media but a lot of them have used uh, social media platforms such as uh, Twitter to express that they feel like they're not being, um, basically they're not being treated equally in terms of when they publish an article or being able to progress onto, um, onto other roles within the organisation. Worst part is it doesn't even surprise us because we have heard so much yeah. of it and we need to put words into action as you said. On a lighter note, Anika, you know, when I see also when I see Sachin Tendulkar in cricket, I, I, I certainly had goosebumps as a kid. What was your sporting inspiration? That one woman that you looked up to and you were like, wow. Yeah, um, a very you're you're probably not going to believe the answer to this. And when I was growing up, um, I didn't have a female sporting role model. And this is something that, yeah, very interesting to, to say, really. Um, my role model in football was Thierry Henry. I thought he was a great player. Um, I may have found him quite attractive as well at the time, but that he was my role model. Um, so I never had, growing up, I never had a female role model. Um, now, I, I'm happy to say that hopefully a lot of young girls now will have numerous uh, sporting role models. You mentioned uh, Serena Williams. Yeah, she would be thinking about now who my sporting role role model would be. There's so many female athletes which I think are doing excellent work and are really championing for equality in sport. I'm actually surprised and not surprised at the same time because we know that there's a lack of role models and we know and it is sad i'll say it's the sad reality but you know anika how do you feel one last question how do you feel we as a society can contribute towards changing this tackling that lack of representation tackling it at grassroots mm. levels what are the first steps as a society that we can take and you're full of big questions. <laughs> um, every question, I feel like, yeah. Um, so firstly, I, I do have to note that um, we've been speaking about kind of uh, equality and, you know, racial discrimination. And we've been feeling, yeah, we've had some really good, uh, good conversations. But I think one thing that we don't have to, that we need to ensure we do not forget is that there's some really good allies out there. So there's some amazing I've had some amazing mentors who have been white males or been white females or any background really that when I have been um, faced with potential discrimination they have been there to support me and I think that's that's one thing that you know 
we have to kind of use our networks. I think networking is key and somebody that you trust is really important. In terms of moving forward and how we can, I would love to create change overnight, but it's not going to happen. So I feel the little bits that I can do to make a difference um, is really important. So I guess thinking about it um, from a structural point of view, uh, governance is really important that a lot of the time kind of uh, the ring fence of funding and being able to implement change. um, You know, we have to be aware of policy um, to be able to change that theory of change, really, and to um, create success. So I think there's been in the past, there's been various kind of open letters to the government and manifestos, um, which have been really successful, actually, and different charters which have been implemented. Um, we, we shouldn't forget that kind of uh, transnational view as well. There's been some amazing work done across Europe, um, if, particularly if we're looking in, at women's football in the United States, and they obviously have a very, you know, they have a high representation of black women over there, black American women. So that transnational, that kind of perspective overseas, we can definitely learn from people. Um, I mentioned earlier some there's some amazing academics out there who are kind of doing that research to find out the the kind of the insight that is necessary to go to the governance and, and try and create change. Now, with the grassroots side of things, I think more education is required. So as a coach, you know, just going back to the basics. So this various we, we spoke about the acronym in terms of that black Asian and you know minority ethnic and it used to be BME um, then it went to BAME in terms of refugees and then it was BAME and I think you know me personally I'm I'm Black Caribbean I'm Black British but people understanding those terms and how to use those terms is really important and people understanding people's different people's cultural backgrounds.